Greetings and welcome. It is Sunday. It is the Soul of Wisdom. It is a Sunday discussion at the Soul of Wisdom where we turn down the studio lights, which is really nice because it's not as warm in here now because of that. I get to take off my glasses, which is really nice because it gives my eyes a bit of a break, though I'm blind, so it'll be interesting when we get to the part where I read articles. That's true. Um, I'll make it up if I have to. <laughs> Joining me, as always, the perfectionist Polish princess, the Goodness. producer wife, Beth. How art thou? <laughs> I am well, thank you. Nice. <laughs> nice. She's glaring at me just a little bit. <laughs> oh, well. What are you going to do? So we've been talking for, well, since really podcast one, I guess, about a lot of the crazy that's going on out in the world, uh, especially when it comes to business, because we are at least supposed to be business oriented, though sometimes we stray from that path because it's fun. You know, you know, like the last episode like, talking yeah. about cow farts. And yeah, such. see last episode, segment three, and you can learn all about the new surf and turf. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um... We've been talking about, you know, labor shortages and uh, product shortages and logistics issues and the the potential nightmare that is the Christmas selling season that's coming up. But we've also pointed out that if you are a small business like us and you have the ability to be nimble and everything else, then, you know, this might be your time to shine. Uh, we're going to approach it that way. Yes. Because we like to win. Yep. So we'll figure out a way to win. But... You know, for, for the biggies, this is kind of a mess. And I was thinking about this earlier today. And the one thing that we don't seem to be good at anymore with the education of people is math. Math is hard. Math is hard. Math is hard for me sometimes. I've stumbled on math just, you know, in past episodes here. Yeah. Uh, I'm not quite... Um, the Orwell level of two plus two will be whatever the party says it should be. Um, you know, and I've got a calculator to save me, but, but I do understand the basics of math and I understand the basics of economics and things like that, but we don't seem to teach this anymore. Uh, at least not well enough. Um, for any of you dear listeners who might know, uh, in, well, you should all know because it was like everywhere, but in California, they had the recall election for Gavin Newsom uh, last month, I think is when, yeah, it was September, yeah. where, and he got to stay. But there was all sorts of challengers for him. One of them, one of them was a quirky yet incredibly successful YouTuber by the name of Kevin Paffrath. He goes by the moniker Meet Kevin. Uh, give that dude a listen sometime if you've got uh, a few minutes of time. He is a young dude. I'm old enough to be his daddy, but he has my attention because a uh, dude at like 29 years old is a millionaire multiple times over. Yeah. But he understands math. And one of the things that he recommended and one of the plat one of the planks of his platform that he ran on was that you need to bring back some kind of financial education in the schools because these people aren't set up for success. When they get out to the world, they just don't, they don't have any comprehension of how the numbers really work, how math works, especially with regards to economics. And don't discount what the dude said because if Gavin Newsom would have gotten recalled, Kevin would not have been the governor, but he would have finished in second place. So, you know, a lot of people actually 
wanted to listen, and he made good points. Uh, but I've been thinking along those lines for a long time, so it kind of was nice to know that I wasn't thinking alone. But we don't, we don't have a clue as a society how it is that economics and the math of it really works out. And I bring this up because what we want to talk about today in our dialed down light wise but yet longer more free flowing of thoughts episode that we call the sunday discussion is the idea that there are strikes all of a sudden going on everywhere yeah and by everywhere i mean pretty much everywhere we were just talking pre-show here and i didn't even realize it but uh you know here in arizona the big airport phoenix sky harbor which is a an international hub they had and might still be going on we can't confirm it but they had like all the restaurant workers in the airport strike and it was what about a month ago yeah and we think it might still be going on but we don't know for sure um but, you know, there's that. There's little things around the United States where uh, I believe it was out in Pennsylvania. There was like 140 home health care workers that just walked out. So grandma who's still sitting at home can't get her care all of a sudden. And there, there are... were like three Starbucks uh, in, was it Buffalo, where they're trying to unionize so that they can go on strike. Yep. Yeah. So that was going on. Uh, so all sorts of little things like that kind of going on around the United States. But then there's some biggies, too, that uh, some of them are currently in process. Some of them are a threat that may come about. Uh, full disclosure, since this posts in the AM Sunday, uh, obviously we record this slightly ahead. So everything that we are going to give you today is as of time of recording. We don't expect that things are going to change a whole lot based on what we're reading. But if they do, then yay, strike avoided. But I think this is how some of this stuff's going to go down. So I think what we're going to do is we're just going to run through some of these larger stories, bring everybody up to speed, and then we're going to try to break it all down, uh, try to make sense of it, or pull our hair out trying, in which case uh, visually gifted listeners on youtube and rumble get to see me pull out the six hairs that i have left and since you got them cut recently they're even harder to pull yeah they are but you'll notice i said six hairs uh two episodes ago when i showed off my brand new hairdo uh, i said that i had five i've actually grown a hair you sprouted one i sprouted one <laughs> and i think that's pretty damn cool yeah. and i think you dear listener should be excited for me and uh you should send me a compliment Tell me that I did a good job growing another hair. Questions at you, not YouTube. Jeez, don't send questions at YouTube. They won't get right back to you. They don't no, care. They won't respond. They don't care. No, <laughs> send it to me. Questions at soulwisdom.com. God, I'm bad. Soulwisdom, S-O-U-L-E wisdom.com. You haven't even gotten to the reading part yet. I Well, I don't have my glasses. I already <laughs> went through this. This is going to just kind of, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, uh, visit us soulwisdom.com. Uh, also, soulwisdom.com slash learn, and you will access our firstest ever teachable course. It is about running a successful Etsy shop. It is one of many courses that are coming, but that's the first one, so check it out. Yeah. Alrighty. Let's visit our friend Mr. Browser. Visually gifted listeners, 
you can play along on screen. The rest of you enjoy the sound of my voice. All right, so first one up, this is from AP News. This is regarding Kellogg's. I can kind of read it. I think we'll be okay. Okay. If nothing else, I can always enlarge, right? I can always hang over the computer with a magnifying glass or something. If Ooh, maybe. yeah. Like, like, uh. One of those old timey inspector gadget looking ones. I remember great, I think it was great grandma. One of them, I don't know, had one of those big honking magnifying glasses that were like, you know, and she'd the read size the newspaper with it, right? Yeah. Because oh, yeah. that's what my great grandma did. <laughs> and sometimes hold it up to the television. Mm. Yes. But, you know, televisions back then and, were smaller. Know, yeah, it was like a seven inch screen. And that was like amazing. Okay. Back to it. Uh, Kellogg's amongst others are a problem here fed up by pandemic u.s food workers launch rare strikes notice strikes in plural so around 1400 workers at kellogg's u.s cereal plants walked off the job this past week uh, meanwhile in kentucky 420 workers uh, for heaven hill distillery are in their fourth week of a oh. walkout so that's fun. So the people sitting at home might start to get shortages of alcohol. Yeah, nobody's going to want that. No. Okay. Well, who drinks Heaven Hill, though? It's cheap. It's bottom shelf. It is. It's, it's basement cheap. shelf. <laughs> <laughs> you actually, when you go into the grocery store, you have to lift up the tile on the floor, and you'll find it under there. Pro tip. That's where you find the stuff. I guarantee there's something at the grocery store that tastes worse than Heaven Hill, though. I uh, yeah, pop off vodka. <laughs> yeah, that you, that's good. If you for, want a really good headache, <laughs> that's good for degreasing engines, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, earlier this summer, 600 workers at Frito Frito Way Frito Lay. There we go. See, I'm mildly blind. Uh, in Topeka, Kansas, had walked off. A thousand workers at five plants in Nabisco went offline in June. It looks like those have been solved, though, but the article doesn't specifically say, and to be honest, I don't know for sure. So we'll say it's allegedly been solved. Okay, so we're drawing a line in the sand, said Rob Long, a production mechanic who has worked at Kellogg's Omaha plant for 11 years. They're upset about a two-tiered system of employees that gives fewer benefits and lesser pay to newer workers, creating a wedge within the ranks. Uh, time out. I don't think I've ever been in a place ever where new workers aren't making less than the ones who have been there. Yeah, because otherwise, what's the incentive for people to stay? Yeah. The only time that I can remember a new worker making more than me is when the new worker was brought in to be in charge of me, which sometimes that happens. Or transfer from another store. That has also happened yeah. because of cost of living. Yeah, transfer from another store, something like that. But generally, the whole idea is, you know, when you come in, you need to work your way up. Yeah. But what do I know? I work for myself now, so I'm out of that fancy corporate game. But I'd like to think I still know what I'm doing. Uh, the Back to Kellogg's, the company, which is based in Battle Creek, Michigan. By the way, I know Battle Creek. I grew up in Michigan. Battle Creek, not that fancy of a place. Not that high of a cost of living. So get this. Longer-term employees made an average of $120,000 last year and $118,000 in 2019. And the company proposed contract would shift newer workers to those higher wa wage rates. There we go. Over to those higher wage rates over six years. 
Well, the average household income, like the median house, median household income. Hey, you're tripping is hard, too. <laughs> is I believe um, seventy thousand. So they're already more than that, and that's just for one employee. They're almost double. So if they're in a two-worker household, then they're they're living well. Yep. But here's the counterpoint. Workers on the picket line in Omaha say they're routinely working 74 to 84 hours a week to earn that money. We do make good money, but we've given up a lot. If we worked just 40 hours, we'd make nowhere near that kind of wage. You think? Well, doctors work more than 40 hours a week. Teachers work more than 40 hours a week. So, again, I think we'll hash this out a little more as we continue reading, but... Uh, just to kind of lead off, my initial thought on this one is, uh, I don't know if I'm with the workers on that, but let's talk. Here's another article on Kellogg, just to make sure that we have covered all of the points. Uh, yeah, 1,400 workers. Do, 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 do. Oh, we can't get Rice Krispies. Good thing we made those Rice Krispie treats today. Because yeah. we're not going to be able to get Rice Krispie Treats later. They pointed out in this article what cereals are affected. And Rice Krispies is an affected cereal. They were actually very picked over. They were picked over. You're very right about that. Uh, let's see. The company dismisses the union claims that uh, forced to work seven days a week with significant amounts of overtime. And that the company will move jobs to Mexico if they don't agree with the proposals. So, yeah, they're just arguing back and forth there. So, Kellogg's, we're going to have to talk about them some more. John Deere. Okay. So, it's not just food. It's also the equipment that helps us get the food. Yep. Yep. 10,000 John Deere workers went on strike Thursday. The union said its members would walk off the job if no deal was reached by Wednesday. The vast majority rejected a contract offer that would have delivered 5% raises to some workers and six percent to others yeah which are quite high yeah that's 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 not that's not a pittance number um now granted if you look at it in the uh lens of inflation which is out of control right now a lot of that's going to get eaten up by inflation but I think there's a discussion to be had here as we go along, too, because this isn't going to help inflation. No. No. So top-scale deer production workers make just over an average of 30, would make just over $30 an hour and thirty-one eighty-four after five years, according to the proposal that John Deere put up. And their response is right now, in the U.S., labor's in a very good and strong position to bargain, so now is a good time to strike. So their whole thing is, we think it's a great time to go after more money, and we're going to do it. Yeah. Okay. So that's what's going on at John Deere. Let's talk about the healthcare industry and Kaiser Permanente. Very fancy name. That's fun to say. Permanente. Sounds like a villain. Um, I was thinking it sounds almost like a brand of salsa. Okay. 
But that's just me. All right. It could also be a villain. But there needs to be a fancier... F well, no, Kaiser would work. But it's awful. It's awful Kaiser German. Kaiser just makes me think of a role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or a Nazi. Yeah, or I'm a not Nazi sure what... eating a roll. I don't know. Kaiser just is German. Yeah, it's German for sure. All right. Anyways, we don't need to talk about Nazis here. Probably get demonetized just for that. All right. More than 24,000 nurses and other healthcare workers at Kaiser Permanente in California and Oregon have overwhelmingly authorized a strike. Now, according to the agreement that Kaiser has with the union there has to be a 10-day notice before they walk out it is unclear in the reading that i've done whether they have given that notice i think they may have but i can't find an article that proves it at least at the time that we're recording this but they have been working without a contract since september 30th so they're two plus weeks into working without a contract so that which is which is never a good thing that is a powder keg that is going to go up 24,000 healthcare workers in California and Oregon is a bit of a dent. Yes. That will be a problem, I think. Especially since the industry is already short-staffed and staff keeps getting eliminated for various other reasons. Well, and I'm going to get to that in just a second because i got something there. The union said that Kaiser has $44 billion in cash reserves and a healthier outlook than many healthcare systems. So again, their whole point is we can do this because now is a good time to strike out for more money. This also mentions, by the way, that they're upset about a two-tiered system. Didn't we just hear two-tiered with... Yes, we did. Yeah. So um, maybe that's like a, like a big international kind of theme, like build back better. Which, by the way, dear listeners, I'm not taking sides on this one, at least not at this time, but Build Back Better is not a Biden thing. It is actually a worldwide thing. Interesting. Yeah. Google it. Check it out. He's not the only one using that terminology. It's all over Europe and everything else. Oh, okay. I was not aware of that. Boris Johnson was talking about Building Back Better before Biden was even the official nominee. That's a tongue twister. Yeah. Boris Johnson build back better Biden. Yeah. Yeah. Pack of pickled peppers. I can't even say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <clears throat> Continuing with the Kaiser stuff, healthcare workers did strike in front of Kaiser Roseville for better pay and workload. They offered 11 cents more, says a worker there. I will say 11 cents compared to John Deere's offer of five or six percent is quite a difference yeah 11 cents is kind of a middle finger they disrespect that they've the disrespect that they've given to the kaiser healthcare workers is unacceptable mendoza said you feel it on the floor you know when you're coming into work and you're six short so yeah they were talking about having shortages and everything else and kaiser wants to give them a pittance they offered 11 cents more the other day which wasn't enough to make a difference for anybody well no it's not no that's you know on an eight hour shift that's still less than a dollar especially and... since at the beginning of the next fiscal year or january one or whatever all the tax rates will change guaranteed so their check is going to be smaller well yeah naturally and, yep and we also know that a, a dollar doesn't even get you to the dollar store now 
Yes. Because we know that that's now a dollar fifty. Yes. On most items, so that's exciting. Continuing again with Kaiser, because this is an important part of the puzzle too. Kaiser Permanente suspends more than twenty-two hundred workers for ignoring vaccine mandate. So in the middle of this, they're stripping out their workforce even more because they have some people who are hesitant about the jab. I'm not commenting on that. We're already in trouble because I used that one word yes. that I'm not going to edit out. But hey, employees have until December 1 to get the vaccine or they could be fired. Now, granted, it says here the workers make make up between one and two percent of the healthcare company's nationwide workforce, uh, but still, can they afford to give up one or two percent when they're already facing a strike and they're already understaffed? I don't think so. And uh, these people have been placed on unpaid administrative leave. So. So they're already pissed off and likely don't want to return. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it talks about we're trying to educate them. We hope that they'll come back, but if they don't, you know, yeah. so that's something. And the icing on the cake of crazy, if you will, Film TV Workers Union says strike to start next week, and it will start unless, again, something gets solved between the filming of this and uh, 12.01 a.m. Monday. Yep they will strike. This is the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, or what's the acronym, Bethy? IATSE. IATSE. Didn't we used to shout that when we rolled all the same number? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. IATSE. I missed that game. We should play that sometime. So yeah, the union representing film and television crews says it's 60,000 thousand members will begin that strike on monday now just to give you an idea these are not actors no or producers or directors these are the people behind the scenes these are like the dudes who do makeup these are the people sweep the set that the and... industry refers to as below the line they're the people who work with and for everyone else they are not the high paid people they are the people who barely make minimum wage and work 12 plus hour work days all the time yeah but their conditions since the virus has started have gotten worse and nobody has done anything to try to make their lives easier it's just gotten harder yeah the article didn't go into a whole lot of detail here but we did a lot of research on ayatsi yeah and it's various workers and it's um it's crazy stuff like um uh, what did they call it? Um, it was like a combination of Friday and Saturday was the terminology they used. Oh, I, yeah, I forget the term. I, I forget the actual term, but it, it was a weird, like, made-up day. But basically, it's they're working Saturday and then all night and not leaving until, like, noon, Friday and then not leaving until, like, noon on Saturday. And that's, like, one big work day. And it's because they're, depending on what level they're at and how their contracts have been negotiated, it varies depending on if you're an actor or where you are in the food chain. But they work so many hours on and then have are required to have so many hours of a break. And it's usually a very small amount of hours that is the break. But what happens because of that 
is they'll start filming on Monday at like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or early on a Monday, which would seem like a normal <clears throat> beginning to the week, but that their start time keeps getting pushed back because of their break, so that by the time Friday rolls around, they're not starting their filming until 6 o'clock at night, which means by the time they're done, they're rolled all the way into Saturday. Yeah. And they do that all the time. That is their work week. So your body never gets a chance to adjust. Yeah. And on top of it, I know that I'd, I'd read about some real crazy COVID regulations that they're having to go through that are affecting things like the ability to eat. Yeah. Because they can't. Yeah. And nobody is giving them time to eat. So they'll yeah. work these 12-hour shifts and not even have a drink of water. And in, when it's hot in California and they're filming on location outside, they're in the middle of the desert with all the extra clothing and masks and all that stuff on. And they can't even have a drink of water because they're not allowed to remove their mask. Well, and sometimes they're even places higher than that. They're, um, you know, doing stuff in like Georgia, New Mexico, you know, which some of those areas can be quite yeah. scorching. Yeah. So, you know, that that's their work conditions are not great. Um, you can argue that. Um, and those people are definitely not making one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. No, you can certainly argue that they signed up for this, but in the same respect, you know, they're definitely working hard for not a lot. Um, so those are kind of the biggies that we have spotted on top of all the little things going on. And just to kind of egg things along, uh, trending at the moment is the hashtag Striketober. Yeah. So if you want. <clears throat> Not until this episode is over. <laughs> but if you want, once it is over, go to Twitter or Google or something like that and put in hashtag striketober and see what you get. Yep. Because um, you'll find there are certain politicians kind of stoking the flames right now uh, using that particular hashtag. But it'll also pull up a bunch of news articles about what we're discussing now. So Exactly. You'll see even more. So if you want more. a refresher. Well, that and we only scratched the surface. And we are 26 minutes in. Yeah. And we scratched the surface and it took us 26 minutes to scratch said surface. Didn't you find a list the other night too? Wasn't there a website that listed all of the current strikes? It was like a compilation. Yeah. So AP news, if you just, um, uh, in their search, put in strikes, it's like a whole subsection for them. So if you go to AP news and just search strikes and yeah. they'll, they'll pull up everything they've got. So that's depressing that it's like a subsection of their site yeah but so here's here's where we stand and why i want to bring it back to the math thing i was talking about earlier because again i don't think that the majority of americans unfortunately have a clear grasp on how numbers work uh, especially when it's related to the economy they just don't get it and the thing is, I'm not sure either side on these arguments really get it. No. <clears throat> so let's talk about the Kellogg's thing. Okay. Again, I know, for example, what Battle Creek is like. It is not a bad town, but it is also not the height of opulence. No. Okay. It is very much just a blue collar, middle class kind of place. You don't have to be a billionaire to live there. These people making $120,000 a year working in that plant, 
they are sitting nice. Yeah. Do they have to work long hours with overtime for it? Sure they do. We all have to work hard. Don't even get us into how hard we work. We're recording podcasts, which will now be six days a week. Proud to announce starting tomorrow, we're going five days a week plus Sunday. Yeah. So we're doing that. We're running an art business. We're running a paint business. We're running a retail section of our business. We have jewelry. Yeah, we've got jewelry. We have um, more things than I can count. The teachable you just the did. The teachable. So we're doing education. We're doing a lot of things and we work hard. And I'm not, I'm, this isn't a pity me kind of thing, but my point is if you don't put in the work, you don't get. Yeah. So what I don't understand is if you've got somebody who's making $120,000 a year, which 99.9% .9 of the planet would be all over that opportunity. If they're so concerned about the amount of time that they're putting in, then cut back on your living, live way under your means, invest all of that. I'm not a financial advisor. Talk to your financial advisor, but invest it is my opinion and retire early do. yeah that's what we do every extra dollar we have at the end of the day goes into something just so it's not sitting around and it's working for us but I, to me that's the easy solution to i've got this really great job but it you know it takes a lot of my time well live on less put it away and retire by like 50. because yeah. if you're making that kind of money and you live way below your means that is entirely possible to do and they could very likely pay off their house and yeah. their car and everything else. Yeah, you know, this is this is part of the That's really decent money. This is part of the math thing from the worker end of things that unfortunately doesn't get understood well enough. It's not taught well enough the economic side of being a worker and that's living at your means or preferably below your means so that you can save and invest and put out put in for your future and things like that unfortunately a lot of people live above their means yeah they do you know i it makes you wonder how many of the people that are you know in that plant are driving nicer cars than they should live in a nicer houses than they should i mean that's their business if they want to do that but if they've gotten themselves into a pickle and now they're you know, $120,000 isn't enough. Well, again, I'm sorry for the majority of the world. They'll take that yeah, and they'll work hard to get it. So that one, I'm not too hip on kind of the same thing with the John Deere. Now they're not making 120,000, but if you do the math as to what the, <clears throat> excuse me, what the, um, executives at Deere are proposing, it's it's a sixty thousand dollar a year position. Yeah. But that's without all the overtime that Kellogg's is complaining about having to put in. Yeah. So sixty thousand for a forty hour work week, that's pretty damn stout too. Again, that's higher than what the average would be if the average two person household is according to our government somewhere around that seventy thousand as the median. Yeah. So sixty for one worker is quite nice. Yeah. No, oh, it is. And this isn't necessarily a position where you're going to 
be able to do what I was talking about with Kellogg's workers, where take your money, put it away, live below your means, at least not to the same level. No. But you can live comfortably without having to work a 70-hour week or whatever. You're working your your 9 to 5, and that's a nice gig. Yeah. But somehow it's not enough. Again, it's like they don't... And it's also worth noting in the... um, negotiations for John Deere that on top of the five or six percent they were offering, they were also offering additional retirement benefits. Oh yeah. So it, that job also has retirement. So they might be making a little bit less than the Kellogg's position with, but they're not doing overtime and they have retirement. Yeah. Yeah. I I forgot about the retirement point. They're not going to be just reliant upon social security. Yeah. I'd forgotten about the retirement point. That's a good point. So, I mean, that's, that's a decent offer. Yeah. You know, and nobody has really talked about it in any of these articles, but who knows if they have stock options or 401k or, you know, what else that they might have. I'm guaranteed, I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of these companies have something like that yeah, that they can opt into as well. Yeah. Cause no. these are all publicly traded companies. Yeah. So yeah, that. I don't know. Those two examples, uh, I kind of, from a math standpoint, have to side with the company on this. These people are doing okay. They're being greedy. And maybe it's because they don't understand math. Now, on the flip side of things, uh, the the Kaiser Permanente, uh, I think they're screwing people over. I would agree. Uh, first of all, there's a whole lot of businesses who are playing up this whole idea of the Biden mandate about the shot in the arm, Mm. but it is not actually in existence. There has been no rule that is set. And as soon as a rule is set, it's going to get challenged. So it's not really a thing, but everybody's making it like a thing. So all these businesses are running out and going, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And it seems like that's what Kaiser is doing as well. But by taking 2,200 workers off the floor when they already are short-staffed. And they're already overworked. And the vast majority of the people that they have have authorized a strike. They're just poking the bear. Yeah, and their answer is, here's 11 cents. Yeah. Okay. And by all accounts, from what I have been able to gather in my reading, Kaiser is doing just fine. Yeah. And that's not surprising either, because little known fact, um, the government was paying out big time for every COVID case that these facilities could report. Yep. So they were making bank on COVID patients. Yes. So they're, they're, they're sitting okay, and they are taking a hard line on math the other way, where they should be looking at a business going, we can't afford to collapse, especially when we're a critical business. And if they like their profits, they need to be in a position to actually keep them. You can't make profits if you don't have workers. No, you can't. All business is a people business. You have to have people at all points to make it happen. Yeah. So if they strike and all of a sudden there's a staffing problem and critical services can't necessarily be provided, then not only does the public suffer, but frankly, that business is going to suffer as well because you can't make money unless there are sick people being treated if you're a healthcare 
establishment. Again, Kaiser is publicly traded, correct? I believe they are, yes. So <clears throat> they start laying off even more workers and everybody goes on strike and they can't help their patients when their patients need something. Their stock prices would tank. Yeah. No, abs- Again, absolutely. not an investment professional, but, you know, these are basic economic things here. Yeah. No, nobody if, nobody likes it if a business can't do what it's supposed to do. No. no. Nobody yeah. wants to invest in that. No, no, they sure don't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't invest in them. Quite honestly, I'm steering a little bit clear of healthcare stuff in general right now because it's all so weird. <laughs> but so is everything, so whatever. Um but but yeah, I don't I don't get the math argument that Kaiser would be trying to make here and how it is best for them to not try to reach a better deal with their employees uh and keep that thing running, especially when they have really good profits right now and could afford to give some of that up to keep things running. Uh or at least at least offer something that isn't going to piss people off because laying off, what was it? 1200, 2200, 2200, 2200. I I have so many numbers. I'm losing track, but laying off 2200 workers and offering the ones who are there 11 more cents, you know, that's just slapping them. That doesn't make any sense. That's just comical. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's sad. And then, you know, to go back to the IATSE one, that's the strike that it looks like it's going to happen. I don't, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe by the time this post, it's a moot point and it's been solved, but there's nothing that indicates it's going to be solved. And there's a lot of greed at the higher levels of Hollywood and the people yeah. who have won't want to let it go. I, again, there's economics. There's only so much money to go around in any situation, but I don't see producers or actors or anybody saying, I'll give up part of my money to help these lower paid people. Well, that that's very true. I mean, you got, that's an industry that's just structured so poorly that that, that industry is based on bad math. I mean, they're, well, in these other industries, we're talking about two tier. There's so many tiers through this the way it's structured that it's ridiculous and the people at the bottom barely make anything and in order to get into a job where you actually start making something you have to put in i think it's something crazy like a thousand hours before you can even start to move your way up the ranks and if you're not getting your hours um consistently then it um immediately forfeits your um benefits so if you're not continuing to work in their system even if you don't have a job, that's why, you know, people out of work in that industry start to get antsy. Then if they're sitting at home because they don't have a current gig, they don't, they start to lose their health care. Yeah. It's not like something that just carries over until they find their next work. Yeah. I read this one statement by somebody who was married. It was a woman who was married to this dude who worked somewhere in the industry, but he was a IOTC member. And she actually said that, um, she has given up on any plans of having children because he works in the industry. And there was two problems with that. Number one, the instability of the benefits and stuff like that. But then as well, the fact that she argued that these people are so brainwashed, as she put it, that as soon as the phone rings and there's work to be had, they're going to go 
and get that work regardless of what's going on. They could be on their honeymoon, and if the phone rings, they're going to leave the honeymoon to go take the work. Yeah. But, you know, that's... That, that Like I said, though, Hollywood in general, in my opinion, is just based on totally bad math. I mean, they're throwing, you know, half a billion dollars at certain films to make these blockbusters that, quite frankly, are worse films than some of these smaller independent films because it's just a bunch of special effects with no good story. Actors are making ridiculous amounts of money while the hundreds that work behind the scenes to make these things happen are making like food worker kind of wages yeah which you know i'm not if that might not be so bad if it weren't for the fact that the whole thing is so out of balance can somebody who's working to you know making a pittance wage to do tom cruise's makeup be really excited about the fact that tom cruise is making 20 million to make that film and they can barely afford fast food nor can they take a break to go eat during their 12 plus hour shift yeah so if you want to read some horror stories there's um an instagram account that is ia underscore stories and it's people who are writing in to um they're submitting their stories via direct message so there's layers of anonymity there but if you want to read some really crazy stories, people are writing in with their horror stories. And it's things like how common it is for people to fall asleep on the way home and get into car accidents. Or a person who had um, a miscarriage and, again, because they were so scared of losing their job that they continued work that day. Just outrageously ridiculous conditions. Yeah. All for the benefit of our entertainment, except for the fact that we're not even really being entertained as much as we're being preached at now. If you haven't noticed, dear listener, whether you agree or disagree with the message that is being sent, just about every piece of media coming out of Hollywood now has a political message attached to it. Yeah, that is also true. So, again, agree with the message or disagree with the message, it's not even entertainment anymore. It's, for lack of a better way to put it, propaganda. Now, it may be propaganda, again, that you're in favor of or not in favor of, but it doesn't change the fact that that is what it is. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know. That's another discussion, but... There's definitely been again, a shift broken industry. to more, more media consumption along the lines of podcasts and YouTube videos and oh, yeah. such. We've discussed that, you and I, that we watch more of that than we do TV, and we have a lot of different media subscriptions to choose from. Well, and that's... somehow we still wind up on the things that are free, like YouTube. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean, isn't that why we decided to pull the trigger on doing this show and just making it happen? Yeah. Because now's the time. Because especially especially the ones who do it really well, and we like to believe that we're getting better and better all the time. So agree with us, please. <laughs> Hit that like button, all that stuff. Uh, but no, it, this is more engaging content. Yeah. Because, I mean, right now, what are we doing? We're having a free-flow discussion, and we're talking kind of about both sides of things. You know, in some cases, we're talking about the workers' points. In other cases, we're talking about the business points. But we're actually trying to, I don't know if we'll reach a conclusion. I highly doubt it. But we're at least trying to hash out, you know, kind of what's going on from both sides. And we're not, like, preaching a message at you. Yeah. 
We're just saying, here it is. Here's the information. You know, um, and we're trying to have fun doing it. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, so I guess where I'm kind of at now in my thought pattern with everything we've discussed is we've talked about the division in America right now. And, you know, you can talk about that between black and white, right and left, male versus female, whatever. We're just, there's this division everywhere. And animosity, animosity, all of those things. And, you know, division is also a math problem. Yeah. <laughs> but, yes, it is. But, you know, we're, we're divided on math, too, because neither side really understands math other than I want more. Yeah. So we've given you two cases where, in our opinion, the workers want more than they should. And two other cases where, in our opinion, the business owners want more than they should. And there's a big wall right between them. And nobody wants to see him to do anything to knock that wall down. Meanwhile, we have shortages popping up all over the place. And if you don't believe me, when you're done with this podcast and you're done subscribing and liking and leaving reviews or whatever it is, the platform that you're listening on allows you to do, just do them all. Okay. Get in your car, drive to the store, walk around. There are holes everywhere. Oh, and what is the trending hashtag? Oh, yeah. What is it? Um, Empty Shelves Joe. Empty Shelves Joe. Yeah. We'll talk about that perhaps in another episode. But um, there's definitely a large portion of the interwebs who is upset with Prez over the fact that we can't get goods into places now, especially right before Christmas. But there, there are. There are holes everywhere. We have So we've got these logistic problems. We have... A trucker a, shortage. A trucker shortage. Things backed up at ports, all this stuff going on. And now on top of it, we have all over the country, these workers and these businesses that can't come together and agree on anything. So they're both drawing their lines in the sand. They're both building walls and business is stopping because of that. And if we're talking about people <clears throat> not working when they should be working, and issues with transportation and stuff. It is also worth noting, not taking sides, but it is worth noting that since what was at the middle of August until just recently, our transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, was on paternity leave. Yep. Because he and his husband adopted two children. Yeah. So while the transportation in this economy, uh, economy is literally becoming a dumpster fire and falling apart, the person in charge of it has been at home yeah yeah it's just worth noting no it is worth noting so yeah to get another example of the leaders not leading and the white house made a statement you know backing up the whole idea of family leave and all of that and i get it <clears throat> but in the same respect you know when you're in a lead position yeah to control transportation in something as large as the United States, as things are falling apart, I don't think that's the time you should take leave. Well, no. I mean, well, just for example, when we got married, I was in a leadership position working for a company. We did not go out on a two-week honeymoon. We couldn't. No. I needed to be there, so it was a long weekend. You didn't even take a two-week leave when we had our child. No. 
<laughs> no, I went back to work a few days later because you have to support that child. You have to work to take care of your family. I'm sorry, that's the way that it is. You you really want to piss off your family? Stop bringing in money for a while. Yeah. They'll learn to hate you. I guarantee it. But you tell me, producer wife, this is where the show kind of, for me, comes to a bit of a screeching halt. From the standpoint of we've established now that there's some good people on the business side and some bad people. Some good people on the employee side and some bad people. But unfortunately, the goods aren't meshing up, it seems, in a lot of cases. Walls are being built. These stoppages of work, these walls being built, isn't doing anything to help out the problems that we have in our logistical issues and getting our shelves filled and all of that and keeping our economy at least trying to move forward. It's going to beef up inflation even more. Inflation, by the way, if you don't understand the definition, too many dollars chasing too few goods. That means if the shelves empty out and there's not as much out there, the businesses are going to raise prices because they can and the stuff that you can get is going to cost you more money. But again, this is where we reach a screeching halt because I'm not sure what exactly gets done to break those walls down because there's a lot of entrenched positions. Can I tell you what should get done? Yeah. Whether I agree with it or not, and I grew up in a very blue collar area, in all of these situations, these strikes are because the group of workers is unionized. The people that should be negotiating this to try to fix it are the unions. But I believe in all of these cases, the unions want more union dues. They want more money. And they're not negotiating on behalf of anyone. They should be working for the worker and trying to get the worker back to work so that they can get money. But they're not doing their job either. So you're, if I, if I may try to understand what you're saying, your belief then would be that it is the, <clears throat> excuse me, the higher ups that are representing the workers are battling against the higher ups that are representing the businesses and that's where the real war is happening i believe so yes so do we just put them all on one of those bezos rockets or the elon musk rockets and send them to the moon that might be an answer it might run more efficiently then it might you know, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a uh, Workers of the World Unite kind of person. That's really not kind of where my thought patterns go. But I will say that the Workers of the World, I would agree with you, in so many cases they are not properly represented. No. Unions should not make people rich. They should not be a for-profit kind of thing, but they really are. The people running the unions are millionaires. Nor should unions allow for such conditions as we've unearthed in looking up IATSE. Mm -hmm. And again, I agree with you. There are two cases here where I feel like we were very pro-union and two cases where we were very pro-business. But I don't believe anywhere in the United States that working conditions should be to that level. That's just, that's ridiculous. I agree. So, and, you know, if those, if that situation has been here for what sounds like years and years and years, not just months, 
it's just gotten worse since the onset of COVID. But how did the union let it get to that point in the first place? They obviously weren't doing their job to represent those people. Yeah. No, they most certainly weren't. But, you know, if you're the fat cat who's running the union and you're making millions, you're probably not going to care. No, now, I, now, I know. that. That's kind of my point. That's The real discussion is not between the workers and the business. The discussion in all of these cases is between the union because they're negotiating on behalf of the workers. Yeah. So the breakdown is between the business and the union. Yeah, that's very true. And then just to swing it around to the other side, I just remember this point too, as I was researching John Deere, uh, I believe his last name is May, the dude who is the CEO of John Deere. He's making over 16 million a year. Yeah. And interesting, he's he's structured in a fun way. But I'm this sure the is, person who's running Kellogg is making something similar. Yeah, no, but just to use this guy as an example, you know, he's structured in such a way where his actual salary is just over a million. And then he's got all these bonuses and these options and everything else that come in, which some of it is obviously tax-free until he realizes the gains on it, but then he can report less. But this dude, I, I don't begrudge the fact that he's making good money to run a major corporation, and I'm okay with that. Um, but uh, 16 million, about 13 of which is in stock every year seems a bit steep to me i don't know if he needs quite that much especially in stock i don't know it makes me wonder as you were saying that i just had like a light bulb moment but it makes me wonder if there is a bonus um for the ceo or the higher ups the board perhaps of kaiser that if their p l mm -hmm. is profitable to a certain degree that they get more of a bonus which would give them incentive to lay off workers because they would get more money oh undoubtedly incentive plans throughout various businesses are often poorly structured or structured nefariously because they force you into positions to doing things that you don't want to do okay for example real world example back in the day i worked in the consumer electronics business there was a time in said consumer electronics business where we were both we were bonused heavily on our ability to sell extended service plans so you had to push these things because that's where the bonus money was but you weren't allowed to mark down the product to sell said service plan but the company knew it was happening and they were okay with it as long as you didn't come out and say that you were doing it. So that's the kind of pretzeled up BS that you get yourself into when you start to structure some of these bonuses and stuff around stupid concepts and ideas. Yeah. It, it makes you, it puts you in a position where you're forced to make bad choices. Yeah. And that's, that's what happens. But there's a curiosity there if the higher-ups are getting bonused on a profit margin that incentivizes them to continue these layoffs. Yeah, I agree. I, I guess here's where I'm at. In case, dear listener, you haven't figured this out through the episodes that you've heard so far, and if not, I'll continue to try to make it clear. Uh, and I'm going to speak for the producer wife because I'm pretty sure she's not going to slap me later on this mm -hmm. one. But uh, we are very much capitalists. 
We believe in free markets. We believe in hard work. We believe in the ability to go out and make a great living and to do the best that you can. And for those who succeed, I'm happy for them. I've talked on previous podcasts about people who I have taught and trained over the years who have now surpassed me. And I'm cool with that. That's capitalism. That's good. Yeah. But capitalism also for it to work requires cooperation on both sides, you know, labor and business. And if those sides can't come together reasonably, then I don't know how capitalism works. And maybe... Well, then there isn't even a business. Yeah, I know. And maybe maybe that's the conspiracy theory, whatever, that the whole idea is to just crash the system down. If that is the idea, they will succeed. Because we're already on that road of just crashing the whole damn system. Um, because again, you have to have both sides working together to pull off capitalism, but both sides so often are entrenched in bad math, uh, for whatever the reason. Yeah. And until they get to a point where we can agree on actual good math and move forward together, uh, I fear that we will continue with high inflation. We will continue with empty shelves and the America that you thought you knew will continue to disintegrate because if you're not paying attention, it already is. And I'm hoping we can stop it. Yeah. But at just about an hour in, I'm not sure what more we can add to said discussion uh, other than um, if you are of such a mind, perhaps pray for your country that we start figuring stuff out. Think good thoughts, whatever it is that you can do. And... Um, Maybe some of these situations where one side or the other is just crazy, they start to see the light a little bit. Because until that happens, I think we're in trouble. Yeah. You? No, I fully agree. Okay. So we'll be back with you tomorrow, and we'll try to have a little more fun and a little more excitement. Again, the Sunday discussion is a little bit uh, more long-form and an opportunity for us to delve into more serious topics. But this is a serious topic. If we don't get this stuff figured out, I'm not sure how this country works. Yeah. And if unions and businesses and labor and just people can't find a way to start communicating better with each other and figuring out stuff that works good for both sides, then we, dear listeners, are what they call screwed. Yeah. And I don't want that. So we need to work on that. Okay, so here's what you do. You've reached the end of the show. Congratulations, you stuck with us. We're proud of you. So because we're proud of you, hit the like button, subscribe, share this show. If you are on a platform that allows it, leave a review. Whatever it is that you do, wherever it is that you're hearing us, do it because it helps us get the show out in front of more and more people and we'd like to get in front of more and more people because we think that we have a voice that should be heard. We hope you agree. Anything else, producer wife? No. Okay. We will again see you all tomorrow. This is the Soul of Wisdom. It has been a pleasure speaking with you, and you all have a great day.